This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and you're listening to the DeFacto Leaders Podcast on the Bee Podcast Network, where I help pediatric therapists and educators become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. With over 15 years of experience supporting school-age kids with diverse learning needs, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians, teachers, and aspiring school leaders feel more confident in the way they serve their students and clients. I'll cover a range of topics designed to help you support students' emotional and academic growth and set kids up for success in adulthood, including how to support language, literacy, executive functioning, as well as how to help IEP teams working together to support kids across the day. Whether you want to learn more effective strategies for your therapy sessions or classroom, be a more influential leader on your team, or find creative ways to use your skills to advance in your career, I've got you covered. Hey there, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 147 of the DeFacto Leaders Podcast on the B Podcast Network. Language therapy often focuses on early intervention, but what happens if students continue to struggle with language in the high school years? Many SLPs are pressured to drop students from their caseloads or move to a consult-only model when students transition to secondary school, yet that often means many students enter adulthood lacking skills that have a significant impact on their ability to access advanced education or job opportunities. If students don't have a solid grasp on skills that we would address in language therapy, such as complex syntax, they'll continue to struggle with important life skills that impact them in school, but also are going to impact them in the future. Things like getting the gist of things and explaining and recalling past events. 
writing extended responses or forming cohesive narratives for academic reports, job applications, and work-related communication, understanding temporal or causal vocabulary that supports time perception and future thinking, and engaging in inner dialogue for strategic planning and self-regulation. A lot of those skills require us to have strong language and an understanding of how sentences go together as well as vocabulary in order to be able to do some of those high-level skills. A lot of people think of syntax as an academic skill, but building sentence structure is not just a skill for students in late elementary school doing language art assignments. It's a life skill, and students who don't have a solid foundation will continue to struggle in adulthood. That's why I invited Tiffany, Shahomi, and Ruiz to the DeFacto Leaders podcast to share success stories from her experiences with language therapy at the high school level. Tiffany is a bilingual SLP from California, and she primarily works with students in the school setting. And she also has gone through my program, Language Therapy Advanced Foundations, which is how I connected with her. So in this conversation, we are going to talk about some specific strategies that she learned in the program and some results that she saw with her students. Specifically, we discuss things like, what if everyone else is working on high-level comprehension in the curriculum, but our students still need work at the word and sentence level? Is it still age-appropriate and relevant to be working on those skills in high school? Does therapy have to mimic classroom activities to be aligned with the curriculum? Can we really make a dent in language for high school students, or is it too little too late? Will students be bored and disengaged if they're still going to speech in high school, especially when we're working on things like vocabulary and syntax? Is there a way we can make it engaging for them? How does complex syntax impact daily functioning and future career opportunities? And Tiffany actually shares some really great examples in this conversation, specifically how she helped some of her students with the driver's permit test and how there was so much complex syntax required in doing that successfully. Before we get going, I wanted to mention Language Therapy Advanced Foundations. As I said before, the techniques that we discuss are things that I cover in that program. Language Therapy Advanced Foundations is my program for SLPs who want a system for language therapy that supports syntax and vocabulary and really those skills that students need to be successful in school as well as life beyond school. Many times if you are coming into a school setting or even if you're in a private practice and you want to know how to support what students need to be successful in those K-12 years, it can be really difficult to figure out how to prioritize. So that's why I created Language Therapy Advanced Foundations. So you can ensure that you are working on skills that are going to have a true impact on students' ability to process and use language in both school as well as some of those other experiences that students have outside of school, whether it be during day-to-day -day activities or whether it be for those older students who are starting to have work experiences like internships and their first job, and they're thinking about what they need to do after high school. To learn more about the program, you can go to drkarenspeech.com backslash language therapy. Now, please enjoy this conversation with 
Tiffany Shahomian Ruiz. Today I am joined by Tiffany Shahomian Ruiz, a bilingual SLP from Southern California. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Well, let's start with your backstory. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you've been doing and um, what you're working on now. Well, um, I graduated with my master's in 2004 from Cal State University Northridge. Um, and I've been working in different settings since that time, uh, public schools, children's hospitals, skilled nursing facilities, early intervention, uh, supervision at the university level. And um, I think that names about most of the settings and clinics. Yeah. Currently, I am um, only working in public schools um, and I work mostly with the high school populations. I know at the high school level, specifically with SLPs, when it comes to language, there's so much that comes up with understanding how to evaluate students. Do you, do we keep students on our caseload when they switch over to secondary school? How do we navigate our role as SLPs when we have students who are starting to need those higher level language skills, but still don't have those foundational skills and all the different things at the high school level. So can you share a little bit about some of the challenges that you've experienced with working with that age group specifically? It is a really complex um, decision-making process to figure out who needs speech and language services and who doesn't need them at the post-secondary or at secondary and post-secondary levels as well. Uh, when I say post-secondary, I also work with students who are up to age 22. Um, so it is a complicated decision-making um, process. I would say I take into consideration several factors Obviously, how much their language is impacting them um, in the current setting and how much other providers or teachers are able to help them with those skills. Um, so if the teachers um, or other you know, providers on the team are able to really competently address those skill areas, then I may not necessarily, you know, they may not need the service. But um, often I find that um, with areas of language that we are the individuals, who are most appropriate to serve those language needs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I also do take into consideration the student's motivation. Um, I recently had a student tell me um, that they think they were ready to be dismissed from speech and language services. And I, I said, okay, thank you. You've been working with me hard for three years. Let's talk about it. Let's assess you and have a decision, um, you know, make a decision as a team. Mm -hmm. So that's also something to take into consideration. Yeah, I know that I've had students before. I mean, I could think specifically, it was actually a fluency case where he was like, I, I think I understand all the strategies. I think I'm good. I know that I sometimes, you know, sometimes I still stutter, but I think I have all the tools that I need. So that's mm -hmm. always exciting. But so I know with language, a lot of the questions that that I get from people are about at the high school level, should you still be working on vocabulary and syntax if students don't have it yet? Can you improve those skills? How do you balance that with all the other things? Because a lot of times they're expected in the curriculum to be doing all these other higher level skills. And then also just 
the high school schedule of trying to fit in the therapy time to actually do what we need to do, even if we are the most appropriate people. So what kinds of things have you had to work through just even from a scheduling and logistics standpoint, or uh, when you have those students who need those foundational skills, but it, it just doesn't quite fit in with the, the schedule. Scheduling is an issue. I tend to try to see some of the students during their study period. We do have a study skills period, and that tends to be a time that they're not as impacted. You know, if I remove them, which I do primarily pull out for my students who are, I guess, classified more than mild to moderate. And with that, so I said, you know, during their study, study skills class, or, you know, I try to find a class that impacts them the least. Um, and things that I've worked on, wow. Um, honestly, I would say that a lot of um, my therapy has changed in the last year or year and a half, actually mm -hmm. after, you know, listening to a lot of your, um, doing your trainings. Mm -hmm. um, in the past, let me tell you what I've done in the past. Yeah, I've tried to- I'd love I've to tried... hear the before and after. <laughs> so- Often things that come up in the high school level are, um, you know, defining words, um, comprehending larger spoken and written texts, making inferences, critical thinking skills, mm -hmm. um, and overall comprehension yeah. of, of language. Obviously, things that are very important that yeah. a lot of people are working on at that level or even in language therapy in general, because it makes it makes sense and all those things are important. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely tried my best to use things that are quote unquote educationally relevant, mm -hmm. such as their stories that they're learning in their English classes or um, the concepts that they're learning in their science classes. And I really did not have very, very much success with that method because I felt like my I was running thin, you know, I was trying to find out what they're doing in this class and that mm -hmm. class. And I also didn't have a full, you know, a deep understanding of all of their novels. So I didn't oh, feel yeah, like it was so a good hard. fit. I tried that and there were times when it, um, it worked, but I would say that since I started narrowing down to, I think some basic skills mm -hmm. and focusing more on those certain specific language skills, which are educationally relevant because they're Absolutely. required for them to progress into common core standards. Um, I felt like I've had more success with that. So I, I can tell you a little bit about some things that I've done with those high school students. Yeah. And I, so I know we are, you used some of the, the frameworks in language therapy, advanced foundations, focusing on the, the underlying syntax of vocabulary and some of those things that are going to support comprehension. So obviously, as you said, still educationally relevant if that's what's keeping kids from making progress in the curriculum. But yeah, I mean, the question that I often get is, is this appropriate for older students? And can this work? Can we actually make a dent in this? Because I think sometimes people feel like it's too little too late. So yeah, I'd love to hear what your experience has been with your students. Um, certainly, I've actually had in the last uh, about year, I've had some exceptional progress there's been, you know, marked improvement with some of my high school students. Um, and so, for example, some of the things that I've done. So one of the one of the things that I have been doing in high school that I've had a lot of success with is I've been using Sarah Smith's 
expanding expressions tool. Mm -hmm. And that gives a really great foundation for a student to learn how to create descriptions and, um, you know, organize their ideas and organize semantic information, Mm -hmm. um, which they're going to need for a variety of language purposes, including defining words or um, expository, you know, text, things like that. Um, So it's involving having a framework to list the category Mm -hmm. of a word, any attributes, uh, just kind of a similar framework to some of the things that you've included. Yeah. In some of the language foundations. And um, as we were talking before, um, I actually did my dissertation research on the expanding expression tools. So then there's the syntax component and the morphology and phonology and all the other things. But but yeah, I mean, I think with with things like the framework that I do and even the expanding expression tool, sometimes people think, oh, it's for little kids. But if you don't have that ability to do that internal self-questioning that that tool helps you do. And, and again, some of the things that, that I focus on as well, it, I mean, those are executive functioning skills. Those are underlying skills that allow you to learn those vocabulary words and allow you to inference. So I think that sometimes, I mean, yeah, you may need to modify the expanding expression tool if kids are like, Oh, this is, you know, for younger kids, but I've had some high school kids that really like it too. I mean, you just, you have to modify it based on the materials and content you pull in. That's the main thing. Exactly. So the items that were just, well, you start off usually with items and nouns. Um, Yeah. So the the words that we're discussing, uh, you tend to have them be a little bit more of a mature nature, you know, Mm -hmm. different types of cars, perhaps things are interested like that, shoes, video games, those type of things. Um, but what I found is sometimes the students really need to have that that awareness of, okay, I just said something. I tried to give an explanation. Hmm, what did I say? Mm-hmm. Was that highly relevant? Did that really, you know, uh, pinpoint exactly what I'm trying to describe? Or was that just a side comment when they're trying to provide, for example, a description or a definition for something? Mm-hmm. So I do involve a lot of the metacognition where we write down on a whiteboard, what all the different things that their you know that their brain came up with all the yeah. different ideas and then we do that thinking about what we just talked about so think about it is that a really good point hmm maybe that's not super important and mm-hmm. so i'm teaching them to make that discernment about if they're saying um, information that's really highly relevant mm-hmm. or it's just kind of a, a side note in relation to whatever we're trying to describe or talk about. Yeah. So that's um, a little bit of metacognition there. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, the thing too, is with the semantic study, it's you're pulling stuff out, but then you have to filter it to figure out what's relevant, what's a defining feature. And so, I mean, that's absolutely a skill that high school students need, but you can teach it to the younger grades as well. It just looks a, a lot different. Um, and I think that it's, like it's so easy to get stuck in the memorizing of definitions. And this is a way that you can make a task like that actually relevant and build some of those executive functioning skills at the same time. So that when you go and try to work on executive functioning in another context, you have some foundation there. Yeah. And um, I actually had when from doing that um, with all the semantics, 
And having success with that, I actually had a great um, intern. Hi, Katrina. Uh, Katrina <laughs> uh, developed um, a sentence frame for um, defining words, uh, nouns, and adjectives. And mm -hmm. that was um, kind of one of my first steps into really narrowing and um, working on syntax. Mm -hmm. And so she came up with a sentence frame that helped this student retrieve and get them started um, mm -hmm. to have the right, uh, formulate the right experience response. So for example, if it was a verb, the sentence frame was blank means, and then they would complete the sentence. If it was a noun, blank is. So for example, if the word is um, dissect, you know, uh, they would talk about, is this and is dissect a noun mm -hmm. or is it a verb? And then we have the two um, sentence types up there. And then the student would identify, okay, that's a verb. So dissect means, and um, we would really drill that into this one particular uh, student's therapy sessions. Um, and then if it's a noun, you know, um, the Eiffel Tower is. And just even having that basic um, starting sentence with the correct grammar really helped this one particular student with word retrieval. Mm -hmm. um, when yeah. we first started working with that student, it seemed like word retrieval was a huge, huge issue. And when we gave him the syntax, uh, you know, and the grammar to be able to start off a sentence, we found that the word retrieval issues diminished greatly. Yeah. I don't think it, I for, for sure did not realize, you know, when I was initially working on language, how significant the, the structure is in helping retrieve. Yes. And also, if you don't have that, how can you have a dialogue with yourself about doing complex planning and and I think the other thing is that I get sometimes asked, well, where should we work on uh, parts of speech? And I'm like, yes, but in context. And you just described a perfect example of how to do that in context. And really, it's not a, a matter of like, let's categorize these nouns, let's categorize these verbs, verbs. It's what questions do you have to ask yourself at what time to remind yourself to think about is this a noun or is this a verb? And then there's where you can work on the skill. It's more about that awareness of, oh, there's different kinds of words and where mm -hmm. should I pay attention? Um, yeah. What should I be asking myself? <laughs> and so, yes. Yeah. And yeah. it did become um, natural for uh -huh. several That's missions. Awesome. It has become natural where they don't have to think about it before they can just answer the question. Um, another thing that I know a lot of our general education teachers and special ed teachers also work on is, you know, the idea of answering a complete sentence. Well, there's obviously times when you don't need to answer a complete right. sentence, the but, <laughs> but um, in a lot of like the defining, um, defining words, or even just explaining an entire idea in its, you know, as mm -hmm. a whole, um, you do sometimes want to start off with a complete sentence. And so I've, I've had a lot of success with having my students, as you say, get meta mm -hmm. and, and I tell them to remember, and I do have some actual visuals that I have up in my room. Yeah. To help I love them. your board. I'm looking at that behind Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, so, you know, let's get meta and think about what I'm going to ask you. What am I going to require you? So it's, mm -hmm. it's a lot of meta linguistics. 
I wanted to take a quick break here and talk about Language Therapy Advanced Foundations, my program that helps SLPs working at the K-12 level to create a system for language therapy so they can ensure that they are spending their therapy time working on skills that are going to set students up for success. There are so many different options when it comes to language. It's easy to feel like you're jumping around from skill to skill without any clear sequence or strategy. And the fact is, is that not all language skills are created equally. There are some skills that are going to have a bigger impact on your student's ability to function than others. And there is a way to address those skills in a way that facilitates generalization, encourages kids to engage in an internal dialogue as they think about language so that students are able to transfer those skills from one setting and situation to another. Many people ask me if we can truly make an impact at high school and if it is appropriate for the high school level. And it absolutely is. Even if it feels like everyone else has moved on in the curriculum, it's so essential that we build these skills, especially if students are struggling with those high-level comprehension skills. I give you a system for doing that in Language Therapy Advanced Foundations in a way that is feasible for a school SLP. To learn more about the program, you can go to drkarenspeech.com backslash language therapy. Now, let's get back to the interview. What I would love to hear more about that student who came to you and said, hey, I think I'm good. Can we think about me graduating from speech. I know you sent me a message about that and you were really excited about how his yes. evaluation went. So can you share a little bit about the before and after of that case? Sure. There was one student who, um, we will keep it as vague as possible. There was a student that I worked with who had other eligibilities and um, speech and language impairment was a secondary eligibility um, area of language. And um, after being in speech therapy, since the student was in kindergarten, if not before, the student said to me, I would like to be done. Now, the student's still going to be in special education, uh, receiving type, different types of specialized academic instruction. Um, but we did an assessment and the scores were within the average range. There was some, some lower scores, um, that I think were impacted by memory. And funny thing is the one area that was low for this student was a skill I've actually never practiced, which is repeating sentences. Mm -hmm. I, I recently started, yeah. I recently started working on this in a functional way. Um, and, but yeah, so repeating sentences was low, but other than that, the student scored within the average range and I've, I've rarely had that happen. Mm -hmm. So I think, um, I feel like the work that I've been doing in the last few years has really refined, you know, what I'm doing. And I think it's making a difference. Uh, yeah. See, I mean, that's, I think that people don't always realize that just repeating sentences, it doesn't sound like it, it makes a lot of sense, but if you do it in the right way and you understand what the purpose is, it can be beneficial if you just think about the fact that if you do not use certain sentence structures, it's almost like um, like trying to do pull-ups, but doing them assisted. If you go through the movement, you build that pattern, and then eventually you can do it 
without the assistance or with less assistance, you get stronger, you, you create that connection. And the, the whole process of having someone repeat after you is a form of scaffolding. No, we shouldn't sit there in our therapy session and just have kids repeat sentences over and over, but actually repetition is one way that we can scaffold and prompt. Mm -hmm. And sentence repetition does give you an idea of syntax because a lot of times we try to elicit it with questions or conversation, but if you don't have a sentence structure, you're not going to use it. You're going to just use structures that you already have. So you sometimes have to elicit it. And yes, it's better if we can try to elicit it in other ways, but sometimes you have to just see if they can say the sentence because they'll repeat it back the way that they would have said it, not the way that you said it. So it does give you that information. Um, I actually just last week figured out a really functional way to work on sentence repetition. Oh, really? Yes. I'd love to hear about about that. that. Okay. So um, I'm just going to talk in general about a few students that I've worked with um, using some of the the sentence, um, the syntax resources that you've given. Um, one of the first thing that I did was I created pictures. So I worked on the passive voice first and for high school students, um, I found that involving pop culture really increases their motivation. So for example, (laughs) uh, I created a picture and, you know, the sentences Cardi B dropped a new album. And then I would ask them to say it using the passive voice. A new album was dropped by Cardi B or different things involving like, um, you know, Patrick Beverly. So the Clippers traded Patrick Beverly. And then I would ask them to say it in a, using the the passive voice. So that was one way to get them involved um, and find it. So they didn't feel like it was so boring. Um, And then I worked on the different word, uh, uh, word study and sentence uh, decomposition and producing sentences and showing understanding of the different sentence types, right? So I was working on that and I had a few students that had made a lot of progress with that. Um, And they were also trying to pass their uh, driver's training test. Mm. So let me tell you that driver's training test has a lot of complex sentences in it. I would imagine. And probably not just that, but yeah, I'd love to It has a a lot of directional, Mm. um, direction words. Um, and, you know, in this situation, uh, so what I was doing is I was using the driver's training um, test to online and having them go through that. And then I was having the students try to break it down and make sure they could understand what the question was. Um, and it's often in the school choice answers. And so that's when I found that it was really helpful to have them and myself repeat the sentence just to make sure I could get it in my working memory. So they're reading it. I had them read it to me. And then as a group, we all try to see if we can get it into our working memory as much as possible. And I would sometimes have to write things on the board, pieces of it, because it was a lot of information. Mm -hmm. So in that that situation, we were actually trying to repeat the sentences. You know, what you just said is a perfect example of why when people ask me for a scripted curriculum, why I can't do that and why it's so important to know how to use a framework that narrows it down and shows you what to do, but also helps you to pull in relevant information. Because 
I wouldn't have known specifically what was on that driver's test or even that that was relevant for your students because, I mean, there's so many different things that students might need to be doing. And that is just, I mean, beyond, I know sometimes we wonder if the things that we're working on in high school are preparing kids for life, but obviously the driver's test is super important and an example of how a lot of these language skills are very functional. It's not just about oral conversation. You do have to have those written skills for certain things if you want to be able to do them. And then even just the examples of, you know, talking about Cardi B, what that's again, why I don't try too much to give a lot of pictures and things that are too scripted because I can't keep up with pop culture, you know? <laughs> I mean, I don't, there's so, some of these pop singers, I'm like, I don't even know who that person is. I don't think I'd recognize them. I definitely had to ask around to a, a couple of, I have my, fr a few of my friends text some of their teens. You know, when it comes to the driver's, uh, the driver's training test um, or driver's permit test. That's what it is. Driver's okay. permit okay. test. Um, I was really surprised at the amount of complex sentence in, in there. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, in this situation, in the event that you are, or oh, yeah. when you are, uh, when you are entering a highway, you must. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of really complicated sentences. Mm-hmm. I have recently been navigating the, the government hiring process in Illinois, and I know it's different in every state, but you basically have to write an essay in your application or even just resumes and things like that. And it's the, the, the application is written and it's online and you've got to read all of these responses. It is a lot of writing and it's basically like taking a written exam and then the interview is kind of like that too. So, I mean, all of these things that sometimes they seem very academic, mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. really, I mean, they are, but they're also for lots of other things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and then the other thing too becomes like, I'm always thinking with high school students and how we're preparing them for the workforce and whatever they're going to do after high school, whether it's college and we do need to be focusing more academic or whether we need to be thinking about, um, you know, how do we get them into a trade or a job? I mean, they're still going to have to navigate that. And yes, you can have accommodations, but there comes a point where there are certain jobs that you have to know how to do the skills. And if kids are interested in those jobs, we've got to be able to teach them those skills. I can't tell you how many government jobs said you need a valid driver's license to do this job. So, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I mean, just when you think about functional life skills. So yeah. I know that we've kind of talked about how, yes, you can and you should work on those language skills in uh, in high school. And, and yes, inferencing and comprehension are really important. But if kids don't have those underlying skills, they can't, you can't inference if you don't understand complex syntax. But what about when you have those students? I know that college might not be what they're doing after high school and they're thinking of other things. And I know you had a student that we had talked about that you wanted to share a little bit about that case. Sure. Um, like I said, I'm going to keep it uh, vague just for confidentiality, but there's yeah. at least two students I can think of mm -hmm. um, that 
one has an intellectual disability, another student has um, another other health impairment, um, and both of them receive speech and language services to support them in their IEP. And both of them, um, you know, both students have below you know, average cognitive abilities, and both of them have been able to benefit from the different uh, techniques that I've been talking about and working on these higher level syntax. Mm-hmm. And um, one student in particular, he, there's a reading program that they use here at school um, and he, his score doubled in one year, in the last year. And I've been working on, you know, higher level syntax um, for the, uh, probably the last year, the last year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and also um, I remember the, one of the student's teachers told me, I, I, yeah, I think he has improved in his language, but I also think he's just been able to focus better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, well, okay, so maybe working on some of those executive function skills allowed him to access his language skills or vice versa. We don't know what yeah, came first, the chicken know, or the egg. It's a bi-directional relationship. And I, yes, you do need to work on both. And some kids do need to be on medication and there are other things that impact attention and you've got to be ready for learning and, you know, be regulated and all of those things. But it is, it is a chicken or egg thing, but you do need underlying skills. So it does go both ways. Yeah, there's definitely, I would say that I hear often from different folks, uh, SLPs or otherwise, oh, in high school, they are who they are. They Mm. are who they are. Why try with with a speech and language therapy? That's what I hear. But I do believe that, I mean, the research says our brains are, you know, plastic. Neuroplasticity Mm -hmm. is a thing. And I've seen it. I, and I think that when you, I think sometimes we get a little bit, um, we, we give up or we lose hope because it's not always easy to, you don't, you have a lot of, um, a lot of things, you know, barriers in the way to giving the most excellent therapy possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and sometimes you just need to give a little bit more, um, prescriptive therapy, a little bit more interesting or pick different targets, mm-hmm. but we, you, you can see change. You absolutely can see change, even with students who have, um, you know, cognitive yeah, disabilities it, or challenges. It's the, the scheduling and the logistics is so, I mean, it's such an issue and that's why, you know, where I am right now in my career, I'm trying to get more involved in some of those policy and programming Mm -hmm. things, because it's such an issue when you have all these time slots during the day and you don't have time for therapy. But I mean, it's, it's what, like something has to give somewhere. And, and I know that there's at, at, especially at the high school level, they do need those work experiences. You can't just be in a classroom, you know, being Mm -hmm. lectured at all day. So I get it. Like I get how everybody has their thing that they teach and they think it's important. And I don't know, I'm not sure what the solution is, but we, yeah. I know that you definitely, like, as you said, the research shows that are, you know, you can still improve these skills in high school. I mean, our brains are still developing until we're in our early twenties. And sometimes if you have executive functioning issues, they're delayed a little bit and it might be maybe 25, you know, I feel like my brain completely developed in grad school. So, Hey, and I graduated, I think I was 26 and I feel like there was so much brain development 
development that happened for me through grad school. So um, the other thing I was going to say is I have worked in different settings or different districts where, you know, for example, in a different district, uh, Mondays between nine and 12, that's my only time I can come to see that school. And that's it, right? I work in a smaller district and it's a little bit more flexible in the caseload and the workload is a little bit more manageable than other mm -hmm. settings. So I know that other people in other districts may not have that opportunity to. Yeah. The way. Yeah. I mean, it's um, I can see why with a lot of these things, um, especially with the older kids, why there is such a market for for people to do private practice and. I know that that gets to be a struggle because certain people, you know, some kids aren't able to find the transportation or their families can't afford to go to private, mm -hmm. a private therapist. So there's, there's that whole conversation. Um, I wish that we could do more at the high school level in the schools, because a lot of times it's not that kids don't qualify. It's just that it's expected that we're supposed to dismiss them and write right. it off to the special ed teacher, which you can do a lot with consulting with the special ed teacher mm -hmm. as well. And I mean, I mean, they can definitely make a big impact. I've worked with some fantastic mm -hmm. special ed teachers that were great at working at language and executive functioning when we had a, a good working relationship, but then the collaboration and when do you have time to meet? <laughs> mm -hmm. I know that with going through, you've kind of changed your approach to thinking about some of that higher level the, the inferencing, the comprehension, the things that are popping up as symptoms at the high school level um, to not ignoring those things, but pulling them in when they're relevant in the context of that other work that we've discussed when kids really do need to build those foundational language skills. So in your work the last couple years with learning, you know, from different people and, and using different approaches, what what have been some of your biggest takeaways and just changes that you've made to your practice? Working on syntax. I didn't pay a lot of attention to it in the past. I was working on more of the semantics mm -hmm. and, and a lot of inferencing and not a lot of those long, complicated um, sentences that I learned about. Mm -hmm. I just kind of, it's kind of like the equivalence of how sometimes in speech therapy, uh, sometimes we forget about vowels and it's like, whoa, they're so important. Oh, yeah. it's, and, or, or the jaw, you know, you think of the tongue and the lips, but you don't think about the jaw, you know? Yeah. So uh -huh. it's kind of like the jaw of language therapy hmm, that it has a really interesting, <laughs> I've never thought of it that way, but that makes sense. Something that at least for me, I did not realize it was playing such an important um, factor or lack of it was really impacting my students as much as it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, with syntax, I always felt like when I first started, I was just expanding and extending on what they gave me instead of trying to give them something new, which, you know, you should expand and extend it or um, mm -hmm. model if they make an error, but if they're not mm -hmm. even trying the harder sentence types because they yeah. don't have that yet, then you don't really have anything to model and expand on or they haven't made the attempt, so you can't model back the correct form. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think in the past I was just working off, um, working on sometimes conjunctions, mm -hmm. but it was just, I didn't have the complete, um, the complete picture involving the syntax. Mm -hmm. um, A lot of it too is that I, I think people want something that's prescriptive, like 
they want to know here is the here is everything that I'm going to work on with my students and they want clarity on what's going to happen when they go into their sessions and sometimes you can you can have that to some extent but you also need to have the the skills to know how to adapt and know how to figure out how to iterate on whatever you know whatever framework you're given like i give people four different sentence types that are going to really impact comprehension but you can look for other types of complex sentences that come up in texts if you know how to look at these other four you know you know how to iterate on those things it's i mean you're building your metacognitive skills as a clinician too and i think that people really need to understand how to do that um and just be comfortable with having part of the picture, but not knowing everything <laughs> or not knowing right. how everything is going to play out. So I think it is good to have something systematic and something that's kind of organized in a way that you can kind of review over and over again with your students. And then, like I said, I did make pictures to support some of the, some of the sentence types mm -hmm. for some of my students. Yeah. I mean, that's the visual is, is important, especially because most of those, most of Kids, if they're if they're having language issues, they're probably having working memory <laughs> issues. As yes. Well. So I know that you've you know you've shared a lot about some of the things that you're doing. I think it's really helpful to to hear these specific examples of application. I mean, there's there's so many different specific examples of of ways that you could apply working on these skills, especially with syntax. Like I, I love that example of the the driver's ed. Or, well, it was the driver's permit test where driver's it's like permit test, yes. prime example of where you can go to get language probes if you're trying to figure out how to make it relevant to your students, but also still work on some of those underlying skills. So, yeah. and like, I, like I said, I don't know if it was just by chance that this school year I've had three students who have showed marked improvement. So I just want to encourage other SLPs to, you know, realize that we can make a difference. And sometimes it just is a little bit of uh, more focused therapy targets, mm -hmm. um, a little bit more quality time and um, working on things that the students uh, find interesting or motivating as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, where can people go to connect with you if they want to learn more about some of the things you're interested in? I know you have lots of ambitious goals for the next uh, stage of your career. So where can sure. people go to connect with you? Well, um, I'm primarily on, active on Facebook. So you can look me up, Tiffany Shahumian Ruiz on Facebook. I don't know if I'm sure you'll spell that for them yeah, somewhere. I will spell that in the show notes. So, well, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to check the show notes to learn how you can connect with Tiffany, as well as get some links to some of the things that we discussed in this episode, one of them being Language Therapy Advanced Foundations, my program for SLPs that helps them to create a system for language therapy that builds those foundational language skills that are so essential to supporting that high-level comprehension, executive functioning, internal dialogue, and all of those functional skills that we need in order to function in adulthood. Things like phonology, morphology, semantics, syntax, and orthography. 
those things that will support students' academic skills now, but will also set them up for success so that you can increase the opportunities that they have for both their advanced education as well as their job opportunities. To learn more about the program, go to drkarenspeech.com backslash language therapy. If you found this episode useful, please leave me a rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts and be sure to share it with your friends and colleagues. And if you have a suggestion for a guest or if you're interested in being a guest on De Facto Leaders, if you know someone or if you are someone who is using your education or clinical skills in a creative way to support K-12 kids, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me at talktome at drkarenspeech.com. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.